So hello everybody, I'm Dr. Jean. I'm Dr. Isabel. And we have with us today, Dr. Elizabeth Hughes. She received her undergraduate degree from Princeton University, and she is a Stanford-trained physician with more than 25 years of clinical experience. She is also a registered yoga teacher, a health mm -hmm. coach, and a practitioner of several energy medicine modalities. Mm -hmm. She blends her scientific training with holistic self-healing and her intuitive abilities. And she has helped clients all over the world discover and overcome the root cause of the disease and reverse symptoms of chronic illness. Welcome. Welcome, Dr. Thank you. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. I appreciate that. Thank you. Wow, you get amazing training, amazing you know the knowledge. So we're gonna share this, this you know to the universe, right? To the world. Right. Yes. <laughs> so first, we this is really the most important question that I want to ask you, right? How Dr. Dr. Hughes that motivated you to move from a conventional medical approach to a more alternative or comprehensive approach, you know, holistic approach. Um. So. I think it was a growing dissatisfaction with how I was practicing medicine because I went into medicine to make people feel better, to like actually feel better. And after about 10 years in practice, I realized I'm seeing the same people over and over again. They're not actually feeling better, right? They're just like, they're a little bit better, but I wanted, you know, actual improvement. And it was clear that all of the, the training, I mean, from, for most of that first 10 years after I finished my medical training, I was actually on faculty at Stanford. And, you know, like I'm there with the best of the best. And most of the people I was seeing just weren't improving. And, and so not as this discomfort started to grow in me, I encountered one patient who has sent to me as the expert on why her leg wound wasn't healing. It had been there, you know, started as a little scratch and grown and grown and grown despite getting the best treatment available. And you know, for some reason, I think I just had a gap in my schedule and I was able to talk with her a little bit. We honed in on the belief that she had. Um, I wasn't trying to hone in on a belief, but I, it happened that she believed she was too old to ever get better. And it turned out that every doctor and every nurse that had been treating her told her the same thing. And I knew it wasn't true. Like, I just knew it wasn't true. Like, there was no, there was no scientific basis to this and that people had probably been telling her she was too old to heal somehow to make themselves feel better or to explain why their treatments were healing. But, but, but long story short, I said, well, that's garbage. You can heal well at any age. It doesn't matter. And she just, there was something electric that happened in the room between the two of us at that moment. She said, really? So she went home and did a very, very simple treatment. I mean, I really didn't give her any prescription medications, just told her to do a simple treatment to her leg. And she came back three weeks later and this leg ulcer and all of the rash surrounding it 
was entirely gone. Three weeks, no treatment. This is six months of like the best treatment you could possibly get. And when I saw that, I said, what happened here? <laughs> what, what happened here? Like, I didn't expect that to happen. That was not the outcome I was expecting. The, the, the treatment that I gave her was just a step on trying to sort out what was like, she was over-medicated and I needed to withdraw the treatment in order to get to it. But I didn't expect the withdrawal of treatment to actually make the difference. But, you know, that plus the belief change, it did. And that's what got me started. So did you stop her medications or she continued with the medication? No, I stopped all of her medications uh, for that three weeks because, um, so, so I'm, I'm a dermatologist. So speaking from a dermatology standpoint, she had a contact allergy. Uh, uh, so her, she had a wound that was about that big on her leg, but she had been getting very specific leg bandages done to her leg from her knee down to the middle of her foot to, to provide compression. And that whole bit of her leg was all rash. Something was a contact allergy. And so I couldn't, I, and anything that I put on the skin at that point was probably going to cause more of a problem. So the, the reason for not treating was basically to st let's start with a blank slate. Let's start and see, you know, where you are, but I didn't expect it to be gone. Like I didn't expect the entire leg to look normal. I didn't expect this, you know, the, this, the ulcer on her leg was deep enough that we were looking at tendon. Like there was tendon on her ankle, you know, at her ankle. It's like, I didn't expect it to, but the, it entirely filled in. That is great. That's amazing. So with your experience now, after yes. practicing a little bit different, more holistic, <laughs> yes. um, have you noticed a relationship between certain emotions and the skin, for example? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. It's incredible. Skin turns over so quickly that you can really see how the emotions play out right on the surface of your skin very, very fast. Mm -hmm. And here's the crazy thing. Everybody really knows this. Well, I should say 95% of people know this because we all have acne as teenagers. And if you look at acne around exam times, everybody looks worse. After a breakup, your acne is worse. I mean, when you have these stressful, uncontrollable situations, our skin, you, we've seen it as children within the, our acne. It, it's not like acne is any different from psoriasis or eczema or high blood pressure or, you know, in, you know, stomach ulcers. These, these, situations of stress over which we have no control, they come out on our bodies all over, right? Correct. And so for this woman, you know, she believed that her age was something she couldn't control. It was leading to the stress. You know, we don't think about it as stress, uh, it's more from a biological standpoint, but it was triggering that biological stress response that was then impeding her own ability to heal. Mm. And that's what happens. I mean, our body's healing all the time. It's just, are we putting the brakes on? 
<laughs> is there something that we believe that, that is putting the brakes on the healing? That, that's amazing what you exact said. You know, that made me think that, you know, what we was um, kind of looking to a little more and more study and research about psychoneuroendoimmunology, you know, PNEI. That's yes. exactly what is, isn't it? How you perceive, how you're thinking, how the immune system is affecting it. So the immune system cannot protect you, you know, from the other wounds and the infections and stuff too. Oh, absolutely. And the immune system is not just fighting bacteria or viruses that we all talk about. The immune system is key in starting the self-repair process, in clearing out cells that are abnormal, cells that are abnormal are cancerous cells. The immune system is our whole surveillance of just running around and saying, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? And if, it, if the immune system is off, then things that aren't okay are allowed, you know, proliferate. So what are the reasons, the most common reasons your clients come to you? What so, pain points there. So the most common reason is that people finally reach a point where they recognize I've done everything right, but I don't feel better because it's not, it's not a specific medical symptom that people have. Uh, how illness shows up in your body is different for different people, but it's more this sense of there is something else that's missing. And I think that something is in me. I need to explore that. And so that's where, why people find me. You're talking about you're having allergies in the past, correct? Yes. And then you went to training. Is that correct? Can you talk yes. a little bit about that, please? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is about the psyche training I did, and, and we can talk more about psyche in a little bit. Um, I did not know anything about psyche at all. I, I, in my health coaching program, we had as one of our guest faculty, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's the fa father of epigenetics. And he suggested that we all read his book. And as a brief footnote at the end of a chapter, he mentioned Psyche. And something about it made me go, bing, mm -hmm. I wonder what that is. So it turned out that there was a woman in Portland, Oregon, uh, who was running a weekend. And I thought, okay, this might be, this might be totally garbage. I don't know what it's going to be, but I get to spend the weekend in Portland. And so even if it's really bad, I'll just not come back and I'll spend the weekend and have a vacation. The woman decided that she was going to run the workshop in her home. She had six people signed up and she had a lovely home. And she said, if I had eight or 10, I probably would have rented a, a space. But for six, I can do it in my house. When I walked into her house, the first thing I saw was her cat tower. You know, those, those places for her cats to, to be. And I was like, oh, I am so allergic. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. But I thought, um, I'm one of these people that can't, well, couldn't, in the past, could not be in a room where a cat had been. Forget the cat being there. I meant like the room had had a cat in it and not been thoroughly cleaned. 45 minutes, I would have been a mess, eyes watering. All right. But I don't say anything. 
the the workshop starts and the workshop facilitator has us all introduce ourselves and does some of these basic, you know, workshop getting ready things. And then she said, okay, let's take a quick break. Is anybody allergic to cats? And I was like, me. And she said, okay, everybody else, I want you to go and get some tea and coffee and stuff like that. You come with me. So we went into her office and she did a psyche procedure on me. And she asked me, what, what do you experience when you're around cats? And I said, I can't see, I can't breathe, I cry, I'm uncomfortable. And she said, well, do you like cats? And I was like, yeah, I'd really like to be able to cuddle a cat. And she said, okay, here's your statement. I see clearly and breathe easily while cuddling with cats. That was my statement. We do the little psyche process. I felt something. I felt like basically like someone had shoved me. It was like nobody touched me, but I felt this, this thunk, like a new way of being set in. I didn't t- give it much thought, except that I went back, you know, and we finished the workshop for the day and I didn't sneeze and I didn't have my eyes run. And the next day the cat came over and sat on my, well, one of the cats came over and sat on my lap and I was fine. And I have been fine ever since. So, so right. And people ask, so what happened? Did you stop creating antibodies? Did you stop? And I, here's what I think. I've never tested this, but I believe that I may still make some antibodies against cat. I may, from a biochemical standpoint, still be allergic but I taught my body that that wasn't something that needed to be reacted to with alarm. Like I could teach my body, this is okay. So how could we explain this using the PNEI um, information studies? Mm-hmm. What happened to you? We're talking about P psychological. So you were right. thinking about your allergies and then right. you, change that right but then the neurologically and endocrine and immunologically there's some changes as well so right. that's the thinking so what do you think is happening in your body or what's happening during that time all right so let me let me see if i can piece this together so the I already, because I'd already been exposed to cats, already had the potential to make more allergens. But by changing what I thought, the psycho part, the signal of, okay, this is a danger, start, you know, you know, send out the troops didn't happen. It interrupted that immunological part because the the psychoneuroimmunology, the way it works is you have a thought Mm -hmm. and your thoughts are directly translated to emotions, which then are um, uh, transmitted via the hypothalamus, the, the part of your brain to your pituitary that produces the hormones. That's the endocrine part of it that then signals to the whole body including the immune system, what to happen. And so I 
I still may have the ability to make these, but by changing my, I may still have the ability to make the antibodies in my immune system, but by turning off that alarm switch, that's the, that's the way I would explain it is that the, uh, the nervous system and the, and the endocrine system, the hormones no longer go into alert and tell my body that it needs to fight off cat allergen. Oh, I love it. That's yeah. a beautiful explanation. Yes. Thank you for sharing. That's amazing, isn't it? That's, yeah. That's great. Thank you. So then um, you were talking about the epigenetics yes. and how basically Bruce Lipton, and we are a big fan of Dr. Bruce yes. Lipton. Mm -hmm. So it started transforming your career and your life. Yes. Yes. Um, so do you practice with your clients about epigenetics and you follow, what would be kind of a, if you can guide us through what would be a treatment or a protocol for somebody that comes see you? Okay. So when people come to me in general, they need a total upgrade of what I'll call their health mindset or their health operating system. If you want to think about it like a computer, they need to have a, a new software update. <laughs> and so what we do when, when I work with people is that's my end goal. It's not make, make me feel a little less itchy or, or cure this or that one thing, because that leads to that, um, what I call the symptom whack-a-mole, where you know the the children's arcade game where you hit the mole and another one pops up and you bat it down and another one pops and you bat it down. So I want to work with people to escape that pattern by changing the real fundamentals of what they think about health. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the the treatment protocol. This takes depending on how long you've had symptoms, generally speaking, a year, possibly a little bit longer. So you're committing to this. Um, and we find together what your body's telling you about your, um, uh, you know, learn to communicate with your body. So your body is giving you information through symptoms and rather than just suppressing them, Find out what the body's telling you. Is there grief? Is there anger? Is there frustration? Is that trapped in you? That's that emotional part of the endocrine because that's that's what we do, um, and and help to resolve that. We look back at past trauma that you think doesn't make any difference, and I'm and I'm not talking about big traumas. Like little traumas are are enough to trigger the immune the the nervous system into the um, fight or flight. Um, and we look for beliefs that you think are normal. I'm too old to heal. Everyone in my family has cancer. I had the injury. The doctor says I'll never be as good as new. We look for those beliefs and upgrade them to what is the truth. And here's where the epigenetics and the science comes in. It's like, you know, like, let's look at the science behind actual wound healing. You know, if we need to, let's look behind the science of aging and things like that. So did I answer that question? Oh, yes. yes. Thank you. Brilliant explanation. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. 
<laughs> so for you, uh, from your expertise, what would you recommend for the people to expand their awareness and improve their lives? I would say start to question everything that you assume about medicine or that you hear. I mean, that sounds a little bit funny, but I just, you know, I just, so I write a mag, an article for a magazine and um, the, the article that I just wrote about was my experience with uh, my, one of my dogs, my, who, um, so I, I, I had to, one passed away recently, which was sad, but, you know, he had cancer almost four years before he passed away. And, um, he had a leg amputation because, um, and so I would, you know, typically after these cancers, uh, these dogs die. Mine lived for almost four years because I wasn't going to buy into that. But what I would see as I walk the dog was things like little kids coming up and saying, oh, why does your dog have three legs? I'd say, well, he had cancer. He had cancer. He's going to die. And people don't even recognize that they're, um, you know, from a young age, something that might have happened, an aunt or an uncle might have died, but they believe somehow that cancer equals death when, of course, you know, 95% of people are cured of cancer. So look at what you might believe about your health. Once you have high blood pressure, it can never go normal. Not true. Not true. You know, <laughs> you know, the word chronic. Have you been diagnosed with something that's chronic, which makes it sound like it will never be reversible? Not true. There's some, someone out there somewhere has overcome whatever it is that you have, right? So you don't have to accept that, you know, I've got multiple sclerosis. And this is the path I'm going to be on. Not true. Be question everything and then realize that you can be the exception. The people who are the exception have nothing that you don't have. Same equipment. That is so true. And I love what you said. Chronic, a chronic disease doesn't mean irreversible. Right. I love it. A lot of people believe that. And they just, that belief, that thought, Mm -hmm. starting with the psycho is what triggers everything else and avoids or stops the healing. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a technique or something for people to, something easy to change? Because changing our beliefs are, it's hard. And a lot of the preconceived ideas and um, basically thoughts are subconscious. How can we change that? You have a simple three steps, something they can say. So, yes, uh, sort of. (laughs) Um, What I actually ask people to do oftentimes to start with is to recognize that no matter how ill you are, no matter how many diagnoses you have, no matter how sick you feel, 95% of you is going right. Right. If you were really falling apart, I mean, it, the truth is, if your body was really falling apart and nothing was working, you'd be dead in six weeks. 
But you, like that's how long it takes. In six weeks, you'd have no skin, no intestinal lining, no uh, lining of your lungs. You couldn't, and and about a third, about a half of your blood cell volume would be gone. You're not falling apart. So I think the the technique that I would suggest as a start is to watch when you're saying things to yourself like "I'm falling apart." You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, this is, you know, yet another thing and just recognize, no, 95% of me is going right and appreciate the part that's growing. Your fingersnail still growing. Awesome. 95% right. Are you still urinating? I mean, it sounds gross, but you know, like it's right. <laughs> Are you breathing? It's going right. So appreciate that and recognize that that's the underpinning of what's going on for you. And that's where I'd go. Brilliant. That's it's, brilliant. Yes. Isn't it? And that's a big part also of neuro-linguistic programming. Yes. Reprogram your thoughts and what mm -hmm. you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's great. Do you have any last things that you want to share with the world? Something we, our goal is to create some awareness so people can start changing the way they see health, the way they see their life and achieve well-being. Yeah. I think it's along the lines of what I just said. It's that health is our norm. We are wired to be healthy. And at any given moment, our body is doing everything it possibly can to make us healthy. And, and um, that's, that's the thing. If everybody recognized that, if that one little tweak happened for everybody, we would see a revolution. Uh, like, like, I mean, I hate to say it, doctors would be out of business, right? <laughs> like, like, which, which would not necessarily be a bad thing. I, I want to see a world where we don't need doctors and we don't need hospitals. You know, you know, the occasional broken limb or something like that, yes. But that's, that's where we can go. We will definitely need doctors for emergencies. Emergency, yes. But for emergency medicine. Chronic disease, because then they... If we are in a wonderful, ideal world, there won't be any chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It is possible. It is. Yes. It is. We could do it in a decade. We could do it in one generation. We start raising our kids right, we do it one generation. Right. That's what we're here for. You know, we wanted to connect all the knowledge we're exposed to you so we can keep expanding our you know, network so that we can rise strong together, isn't it? Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> Could you tell us the, how uh, listeners, the people who watch this YouTube, can uh, contact you or connect with you? Do you have a website, social media? Which yeah, so, so my name is my website. So it's ElizabethHughesMD.com. Really easy. Uh, I am also on Facebook. I, you know, Elizabeth Hughes MD is, I've got a Facebook page and um, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. So yes, I'm out there. So find me. I'd love to talk. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, so you much. for sharing your knowledge. You're welcome.
It's been my pleasure. I love talking with you guys. (laughs) 